0: When uh, yes. I was living as a monk here Namrawati with Lompasomeome, and sitting in the morning, I had a preference of silence. so as I sat myself down, I was always kind of had a certain anticipation whether he would speak or not and Before he spoke, I had already set myself up for annoyance, if he did speak. So my intention is certainly not to annoy anybody. And if you're one that prefers to have silence at the first sitting of the day, then I do apologize. But sitting in this position, I have a different perspective. And so that which is apparent here and now, Sanditiko, is what is apparent here and now. So if in one's mind it's annoyance, or I prefer that Joseph just didn't say anything, or both him him and Ajahn Amro, the first sitting, I really love the silence, I bathe in the silence, I desire the silence, I want the silence, I need the silence, and all those setups that we might uh, create in our minds do set us up for um, that uh, uh, for dukkha just simply put dukkha and therefore present something that uh, we can learn from and uh, grow from last night I told the story about the Uh, coming back to base camp in the helicopter. And this morning I was thinking about the, um, when I took uh, charge of that helicopter, when I took a hold of those controls, there was a very firm commitment. And when the aircraft commander tried to wrestle the controls back from me, I I wouldn't um, give them back. I... It was very clear, both in uh, the energy, the intention, that I was doing the right thing. In our practice, i have been talking about going upstream. One needs to create that kind of commitment, a sense of knowing what is right, what is uh, the... uh, Where, where I should be putting my energies and the encouragement from uh, occasions like this in a retreat where that we are given a lot of uh, things to put in uh, one's uh, uh, kit, one's toolbox. <coughs> and that the effort needs to be a constant effort So just as I started the effort, if there is annoyance, there needs to be effort to just recognize it, not to judge it, not to be upset or be internally embarrassed, but just to recognize it. And that requires effort and it requires humility, doesn't it? That I have to humble uh, what I consider me, what is Joseph, at that time what is Pabakro. And I didn't really have that clarity. I kind of and, and maybe the, the annoyance, it's hard to fall asleep when you're annoyed or you have some uh, anger at something. I don't know about you, but if I'm angry, I have a lot of kind of fire running through the body, so it's very hard to fall asleep. <clears throat> but one can use these uh, energies to uh, like, recycle them, aren't we? If we're feeling annoyance, we can feel the annoyance is just another form of energy and a, a mental attachment to a perception of something and then we proliferate. In Thailand the Western monks we would start brungtanging. Brungtang in Thai is to kind of to spice up or to embellish something so they would brung aha and they would spice up the food. So our tendency is to spice up our our mental states so it's not just like, oh, I'm annoyed, it's like, I'm annoyed because, and then the whole storyline, and we're off and running. So that effort that's required, taking hold of those controls, if you will, is to go against that stream. And, and the first thing we have to recognize is it, and know is that the habit is going the wrong way. So... Like I knew in that in that helicopter that that was wrong, I just it just everything in in this being told me that in my body and mind, so we're developing that kind of awareness that what we're doing is right, and what we've been been doing is not so much one's right and one's wrong, but reflecting that I have those habits in our daily habits, so are they leading us to peace, to calm to insight, to understanding, to a deepening of uh, Buddha-dhamma-sangha? Or are they leading us into more dukkha, into more unsatisfactoriness, unhappiness and suffering? Also this morning as I was preparing myself and taking care of this body, a, uh have been making efforts, as I shared yesterday, to really start to internalize. And I think this is a practice that, once again, we're going upstream, That, but that can be very useful. People are, like uh, Catherine asked yesterday, about practical aspects of applying these teachings. Ajahn Bodhipala asked about the, uh, the, the, the practical side of teachings and wanting to know about more how to uh, practice uh, Marananu Sati, the mindfulness of death. It's one thing to think about dying, it's another thing to begin to feel death, to feel uh, the presence of demise, of the ending of this body. And that can be done in many ways, in as many ways as people have, reflect of it, have reflected on it and practiced it, could sit up here and talk about. But one of the things I'm finding useful is not so much specifically on death, but detaching uh, from the body in activity. So maybe it's a little easier to detach from it when we're sitting. But a real challenge, of course, is daily mindfulness in the chores, in the tasks that one is um, uh, required, called upon to do uh, daily. And that it's so easy to say, just brush your teeth and just do it habitually. Wash your face, wash your hair, bathe, go to the toilet. All of these things are very habitual, so one can do them without thinking. Without really reflecting, just "Oh, I' just got to get my teeth brushed and get out the door, grab a cup of tea, get out the door, and I found myself was I was a little late at getting up. I like to get up at least half an hour before the bell, ideally an hour, get myself ready, maybe have a cup of tea, do some stretching, and so i 'm here refreshed as best or as refreshed as possible, but I found uh, myself rushed this morning. But as I found myself rushed, I also found myself reflecting and energized at that feeling of rushness, and then just slowing down and being with those feelings. So Sanditiko, what was apparent then, uh, which was at that time was the here and now. It's not the here and now, it's the here and now and sharing with you the experience. So right there, there was an opportunity for me to take hold of the situation to actually the mental effort uh, to take hold of the situation and reflect, consider, what am I doing, what is going on, and seeing these these mind states. And then just letting those kind of soften, and then just come into the present moment. We're always given the opportunity uh, to come into the present moment um, when I uh, teach meditation, sometimes in the states or give a talk, I said the, one of the beautiful things I find about this practice, and especially meditation, is that we never succeed. That we never can succeed in meditation. But if we can never succeed, then we well, one needs to realize that we never fail either. So whatever at the end of the morning sit. After I quit talking and we bathe in the silence, we move into the silence. The end, then one may go out and say, Well, it was a I, well, reflection Joseph gave was all right, but I had a good sit. So, what does that mean? You had a good sit. Or you go out and I really like the reflex, reflection Joseph gave, but I had a bad sit. And what was a bad sit? Or I kind of I had a, a so so sit rather than I just sat and I had what I had, I realized what I realized, I experienced what I experienced. And the I is the key, isn't it? My sit, you know, my practice, my meditation. I'm a good meditator, I'm a bad meditator, I'm kind of a so-so meditator, but you know, I can talk about the Dhamma quite clearly. My friends seem to enjoy it and they respect me for it all of these perceptions uh, that one carries. So back to reflection on the body and internalizing the body and the perceptions of body uh, is, is a wonderful way to get in touch in a deeper way and begin to see the body as a body. I don't exactly know how the scriptural passage is, but... In Anapanasati, the mindfulness of breathing, uh, the Buddha talks about being able to see the body in the body. Now, I'm not exactly sure what the Buddha meant. Unfortunately, I can't remember being there and able to ask him at that time. But my understanding is the body in the body is actually being able internalizing, as if I was to uh, have that awareness within this body to be aware of just body without, and the key is the body or a body rather than my body. So if I take out I, if I take out me, if I take out this form sitting here as Joseph and begin to internalize and and feel and see it, I, I see just a body in a body. This is just, this is it. It's made up of these parts it's made up of these feelings, these perceptions, this consciousness. And this is what it is, Sandhiti go. It's apparent right here, right now. And then when it becomes my body, it's like I like my body. I have a good body. I have a beautiful body. I have a fit body. I have an old body. I have a skinny body. I have a fat body. I have a just right body. You know, I have a male body. you know. I have old, young, all the things that I, 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 I. And with the I, then there's the like and the dislike. I like me nose, but I don't like me ears. I have a good smile, but my frown is horrible. When I look in the mirror, I really hate the way that I perceive myself. I loathe myself. So one can begin to listen, and not only listen, but begin to uproot. So the taking a hold of those controls, if you will, is not so much controlling, but that concerted, that very um, um, vigilant effort It's energy, and you and I have energy. We're filled with energy. We would not be here without energy, without effort. So it's directing our effort, isn't it? It's being able to take that effort that you and I have and that energy and redirect it. I can do this. I am doing this. You can do this. You are doing this. That encouragement to do it, to deepen the awareness, to deepen the sense of this is really not, you know, body is not self. You know, perceptions, feelings, consciousness is not self. I believe itself. I think it's self, but that's the habit. So if this man called the Buddha was really, knew what he was talking about, and these teachings are real, and this twenty five uh, hundred year old tradition that we have, that we still have men and women both in robes and out of robes who are supporting it, then I would argue, I would put forth and and hold up for reflection that there must be something to this. I'm not here just because, you know, I think it's a good thing. I'm here because I have saddha, I have a certain confidence, a certain faith that says, these teachings speak to me And if they speak to you, they speak to me, then I must apply them. They can't just speak to me and speak to me in my head. So the practical side is coming deeply within ourselves, deeply inside and beginning to really reflect and take on and say, wow, if these words say that the body is not self, then I, whatever I is, needs to look at and internalize and start to look, wow. This really doesn't belong. Like yesterday, talking about, well, if we clip our nails or cut our hair, nobody here is going to say, well, I want to take my nails home, or I want to take um, uh, my hair home. You know, it goes into the trash, into the dustbin, doesn't it? We, don't wanna, and we no longer want to associate with it. So, if those parts we don't want, and we, we have a, a certain uh, repu- they're repulsive to us, then think about the other parts. Um, it, 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 can, it, it it has to be the same, doesn't it? One just doesn't reflect in that way, one doesn't consider in that way. So I found it quite uh, uplifting to change that perception, like yesterday on the walking path, uh, visualizing, but not just visualizing, creating a, a mental image if one can, but also feeling this body, these bones, the skin, the internal organs, the blood, all of these things that make up this physical body, feeling it walk, feeling it move, being aware that it is just a body moving through time and space and that I have a certain influence over it. Whatever I is, that energy towards the I, I have some influence. I can be kind to it, or I can be unkind to it. And if I ask for a raise of hands, we don't do that here. I don't think we do that in the States market. I see a show of hands. But how many of you at one time or another have loathed your body? Oh, I hate my body. It's a horrible body. It's a horrible thing. What is that? What is what is that part? What is that in us that wants to loathe and hate and or be disgusted? Oh, I'm disgusted with myself. You know, myself. So the words are always with attachment, aren't they? They're always with a clinging, a grasping, a holding on to some idea of what this is, who this is. So my encouragement, or the encouragement that's coming from the sound of this voice, of this body sitting up here in Sanditiko, in the here and now, is to take a firmer grasp, if you will. It's that. It's the balance between too much effort and too little effort. Like the analogy of tuning the uh, the lute, as the Buddha gave. You know, the lute, if the lute is not tuned, at all, if the strings are too loose, it doesn't produce any sound. If the lute is tuned too tight, then the sound is quite harsh or high. So that lute or guitar we could use these days, if it's not tuned, you always see, if people if you watch people playing guitar, they're always kind of fiddling with the uh, whatever they're called, don't, I'm not a musician, but those things they turn to tighten and loosen the strings because they're getting that sound that is just right. So. One's practice is like that. There's always needs that tuning to either tighten or loosen a little bit the effort that I am bringing forth in this moment. So what that effort is, what effort is required, sometimes more effort, sometimes less effort, but it's always in the now, isn't it? It's always what one does in the now. So the awareness, like the helicopter analogy, can't fly. Plan to fly a heli- you know fly a helicopter. Thinking about flying it tomorrow or how I flew yesterday, the helicopter is speaking to me in the now, and it requires. And so the conditions have changed. Uh, the helicopter might be basically the same, but the weather conditions have changed. Therefore, it might it will require different adjustments in flying that helicopter to be able to fly it. So I can't be thinking about other things. Uh, that other than flying and what is required, that piece of, of technology is required by full presence. So this practice, this body, this mind requires our full presence, doesn't it? To be here and now, to be, uh, to take charge and and to give the most influence that we can. So, as you sit this morning if there's something that I've spoke of that's meaningful, then please take it up, make a shift. C- I caution everyone for falling into habit. Habit is so easy to fall into, especially if you're a meditator of many, many years, that you come in, you sit, close your eyes, and get on with it, you know, just kind of plug on, do my meditation. But. Sometimes we need a freshness, don't we? We need a, a new perspective, a new, uh, something new to look at. So uh, listen for, if you haven't heard all right, already, something that, is, that you haven't tried maybe, that you can experiment with, that you can uh, bring energy into and say, oh, internalizing, what does that mean? So with the eye of the mind, one can look inwardly and begin to look at body look like the skull is a wonderful our head when we see each other we see faces and so that's a nice face it's not a nice face it's a young face it's an old face it's a male it's a female but we have these skulls here behind on the shrine and on the one skeleton and can you see the skull one of the insights i had one time was i realized that the upper the the palate, and the teeth were fixed in place. So look at the skull up there. Those are fixed. What moves is the jaw. That was quite an insight when I realized all that moves is just the jaw, the lower part. The upper part is fixed. And without w- without actually reflecting and looking at that, I can I, I had a perception that, well, maybe the whole thing is somehow fluid. Well, it's not, is it? That whole skull piece is is kind of fixed. In the upper, so it's the jaw that kind of moves and has the fluidity, allows us to chew, allows us to talk. If I my teeth together, but I can't talk, you know. And the tongue and all those parts come together to allow certain things. Um, and 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 I can look at that, I can investigate that in more of an internal way, and so it creating uh, uh, an image within. And as it deepens, maybe that image can actually be the actual image, which I believe is possible to actually see internally, to see the organs, to know the organs and the bones and the skeleton and that. So I offer this uh, encouragement for you this morning uh, to uh, sit up nice and straight, to bring forth uh, your best effort, your energy, to take controls of your helicopter, And if you want to hover it, if you want to fly it, you want to take off and spin around, or you want to just stay at a nice steady hover, or just want to kind of sit revved up ready to do whatever you might need to do,